Good morning, church. Hope you all are doing well today. How many of you this morning, before you left the house, looked in a mirror? Anybody? Now, I'm not asking because I suspect that you didn't. You all look really nice. But I'm assuming you didn't wake up looking as nice as you look right now. If you're like me, it took some time in front of that mirror this morning to get looking as good as we look right now, right? And I want us to take some time now to look into the mirror of God's Word and see a reflection of our identity in Christ. We look at so many things, it seems, these days to try and grab hold of something to, to identify with. It seems like more than any other time than I can remember in my life, there's more confusion about identity than ever, right? Wouldn't it be a great time for us this morning to just look into God's Word and reflect for a few moments on what God Himself says about us as his children. So we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. And we're going to let the word of God be that mirror for us today. Second Corinthians 5. Verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We believe that it is true. We embrace what you say to us in your word about our identity. We reject what the world says about our identity. 
We reject what the enemy tries to deceive us into believing about our identity. And this morning we pray, remind us who we are in Christ and what you have purposed for us as your people. Speak to us through your word and help us walk in submission to your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want us to take the next few moments that we have together and answer three questions from this text. All right, we've read the text and in a sense, I've already tried to draw the analogy of a, a mirror. It's where God is reflecting to us our image based on his perspective. What better perspective for us to have, right? Than God's perspective on our identity. And as we reflect on these verses, I want us to answer these three questions. The first question I want us to answer is... What happened? These verses suggest something major has transpired in the lives of certain people. And we want to uncover what is it that's happened from this text. The second question we want to answer is how? How did this amazing thing actually happen? How did it come about? And the third question we want to answer is why? What did God actually have in mind when he did this amazing thing? So first, let's answer the question, what happened? And I'll direct your attention back to verse 17. Verse 16, he speaks about no longer looking from a worldly point of view. And that's what I would encourage us this morning is to reject the perspective of the world and whatever they project towards us about who we are and who we're to be. God himself has defined who we are and we want to embrace his definition of our life. Amen. And so verse 17, I'll point you there and let me ask you the question. I'm going to give you your 15 seconds of preaching fame. And you're going to get to shout out the answer to the question. What do these verses say has happened for the person who is in Christ? New creation. Amen exactly what it says. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Now that's a good place for us to insert a big hallelujah, right? Hallelujah, we are not who we used to be. Praise the Lord for that. We are no longer who we used to be. And it's not just that we've turned over a new leaf. It's that we've actually been given a new life. 
you remember Jesus speaking to Nicodemus once. And remember what he told him, that challenging thing that Nicodemus didn't know what to do with? What did he tell Nicodemus he must be? Born again. He couldn't figure that one out. How can I be born again? These verses are speaking to the reality of those of us who are in Christ being born again. Not of the flesh, but born again of the Spirit. And this is a work of God's grace. Those who are in Christ no longer need to hang their heads in shame and guilt because of past failures. Those who are in Christ can stand in confidence with the assurance of salvation. Confident that they belong to the Father today and tomorrow and forever. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hallelujah. What great news. I love the fact that God would use someone like Paul to tell us this truth. Don't you like that too? Now we know the Spirit is the one who's saying these things, but he could have said this through anybody he desired to say it through, but he chose to use Paul to tell us that if we're in Christ, we can forget about the old us. The old us has been crucified. Now we're new and Christ lives in us. I love that it was Paul because I'm remembering, and I bet you are too, what Paul was like when we met him. You remember Paul? He had a different name. What was it? He had the name Saul. We meet him in Acts chapter 7. And he is there giving approval to, as an eyewitness and participant in, the martyrdom of Stephen, one of the servants of God, that was committed to proclaiming the glory of Christ. And as he's being attacked by a mob of folks and they heap a pile of stones on top of him until he is no more, Saul is there approving of it. If we were to flip our Bibles over just a few chapters to Acts Chapter 8, why don't we do that? I want you to see these verses and let's meet Saul when he was a rascal. Before he's writing these words about the new creation, let's remember who he was. Verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution, persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made, and made great lamentation over him. Listen to verse 3. But Saul was ravaging the church. 
And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. What a rotten guy. What a rotten guy he was. How much he hated the church. How much he despised the message that Christ was the Messiah. How much an enemy of the church he was. And what a transformation. I'm, I'm just thinking, all right, here he is writing these words, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, telling us our identity as a new creation. We see him as the old man, an enemy of God, when he introduces himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, those first verses in chapter 4, he's describing how he wants to be remembered. Or how he, he actually says how he wants he and the others to be regarded. You know what words he uses to describe himself after his conversion? He wanted to be regarded as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God. I mean, it's just, it's wild, the transformation. Talk about a, an extreme makeover. What a radical transformation. There was no greater enemy of the church when we meet him. And now we find him willing even to die to see the gospel proclaimed where Christ wasn't known. When Paul writes these verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he is writing with experience. He is writing and his life is living evidence of the truth of Romans 1.16, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. His life is a demonstration of that power of the gospel to radically reorient someone's life the way his had been reoriented. And as we hold up the mirror of God's word for us to look at this morning, God is saying to you, you also have been made new. You also have been delivered from whatever sin once marked your life, whatever addiction once held you captive. If you are in Christ, God no longer looks at you through the lens of your past. He looks at you differently today. He sees you as a new creation. And everybody who's in Christ should say, Amen. Amen. And praise the Lord. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is what has happened that these verses describe. Second question that we want to wrestle with this morning. How? 
How did God make us new? Well, let's look back to the text again. And I want you to see some verses that, that clue us in to how this great work took place in our life. First of all, notice verse 18. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So first thing that we see here in verse 18 is who is it that initiated this work? God did. It wasn't that one day you woke up and you were finally serious about changing your ways. And with willpower and determination, we're going to do it this time. I'm going to be different this time. That's not what the scripture is describing. The scripture is describing that this great work that resulted in transformation in our life. He says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself. We didn't pursue God. God pursued us. I loved Pastor Jim's message last week reminding us of the priority that Christ placed on lost things. You remember the sermon? The lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost Stephen and the lost you fill in the blank with your name. You were made new because it was the desire of God's heart to redeem you and reconcile you to himself. Praise the Lord. This was God's work done on our behalf, not a work that we could have done, but one he did on our behalf Notice verse 19. He says, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Now catch these verses. He's not denying the fact that trespasses have been committed. And he's not dismissing the reality that a just God must punish trespasses. But what he's saying is he is not holding our trespasses against us. We are sinners. We deserve the wrath of God. We were spiritually dead, not sick, dead spiritually, without hope. And it was our sin that separated us from God. Look on down to verse 21. Let's see what he did to punish the trespasses that he doesn't count against us. This is the gospel in one verse. Verse 21. 
for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The punishment for sin was not dismissed. Holy God did not turn his head and ignore the reality of sin in our life and the weight of that sin, the consequence of that sin, the just judgment of that sin. He didn't dismiss it. Instead, he bore the weight of our sin. He bore the wrath that our sin deserved. He embraced responsibility for what you and I deserved when he died on a cross. Not for sins that he had committed but for the sins that I had committed and the sins that you have committed. I want to illustrate as best I know how what I believe 2 Corinthians 5, 21 is saying. And I hope this picture will stick in your mind forever. I want to hold up this little man that represents Stephen. It actually represents the record of Stephen's heart, the old Stephen, before he was in Christ. And what's written on here, there's not enough room to write it all, trust me. And I'm going to hold it kind of close to me. Maybe I don't want you to see everything I wrote anyway. But some of the things that I would have written to describe the old Stephen, that would have been the, the barriers that kept me out of the presence of a holy God. Things like being selfish. Things like pride. Things like disobedience. Rebellion. Lies. Lust. These would be the things that if, if we could pull my chest open and you look inside and see the reality of what my heart was like, that's what you would have seen and oh so much more that you would see. And if we could look at the heart of Jesus who is God, who took on flesh and was born to a virgin and lived a sinless life. If we could look at the heart of Jesus, we would see the only one who's ever been able to live in this fallen world and perfect righteousness. Amen? We wouldn't find any mark of sin in the heart of Jesus. We know that sin comes with a great consequence. 
right? Remember what God said? Even as far back in Genesis, remember what he told Adam and Eve? If you eat this certain fruit, the day you eat it, you will surely die. This is as early as it gets. This is like the original rules. This is not like iteration number whatever. This is the original rule. Sin results in death. That sin ushered death into creation into this beautiful world that God created and not just physical death but spiritual death you remember what happened to the relationship between Adam and Eve immediately following their rebellion they felt the weight of their guilt and shame and they went and tried to hide remember they died spiritually that day. The close and intimate fellowship that they enjoyed with God was broken. It was destroyed that day when they sinned. And we can read that from cover to cover in God's word. But we get to the New Testament and as clearly as we see it presented in the book of Romans. What do we hear? The wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord sin is a problem for all of us it's a problem for people from every generation who's ever lived sin is our biggest problem and there's nothing that we can do personally to get rid of it righteousness on the other hand comes with a great reward. If we could perfect righteousness, there would be nothing to separate us from the holy presence of God. If we could perfect righteousness, there would be nothing to keep us out of eternity in God's presence, in the glory of heaven. And so what did God do for us? Let's call it the great exchange. Verse 21 says that the one who knew no sin, who is Jesus, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. When Christ was led off to Golgotha to be crucified, it was so that the just punishment for our sin was given to the one who bore our sins on his body. And now with his righteousness as a gift of grace, we have the opportunity to enjoy an intimate relationship with God the Father and to have the hope of eternal life. How did we become a new creation? God initiated it by His grace and through the great exchange, we have been made new. Never again to be looked upon by God and remembered for our failures. 
but looked at by God, clothed in the righteousness of his son, Jesus. And all of us should say, amen, amen. What happened? We became a new creation. How did it happen? By grace, through the great exchange. Do I need to remind you? Probably not, but I can't resist the, the urge to remind you. Do you remember how Paul had his encounter? Remember? He was up to no good. He was in the middle of his sin and rebellion and hatred towards Christ. On his way to drag off more men and women and punish them. And in that moment, the grace of God was poured out on him. A light from heaven. A voice speaking to him. God would send Ananias, remember? Who would speak to him. Remember, God graciously caused the scales to fall from Paul's eyes so that he could see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And he would believe, take baptism, and right away he would proclaim right there in Damascus. No seminary training. Right away proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. Our story is just like that, guys, gals. Maybe you've never been to Damascus. Maybe you've never seen a light from heaven or heard a voice. But by the grace and mercy of God, while you were a sinner, spiritually dead and without hope, God brought someone into your life he brought your Ananias into your life to tell you the truth of the gospel. And by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit and the power of the gospel, the scales fell from your eyes and you saw that Christ is your only hope. And you repented and believed. And God made you new. I realize this morning what we're talking about is conditional. Remember that opening phrase in verse 16? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Meaning all of these wonderful things that we're describing about our new identity are yours if, if you are in Christ. And if you are not in Christ, 
If you are still trying to perfect righteousness on your own, or if you are defining for yourself your own standard of what's acceptable and not acceptable, if you are not in Christ, it means you are still in your sin. You are still spiritually dead. And you are still under God's wrath and in danger of spending eternity in a devil's hell, separated from a loving God. So hear this as a plea. Admit your sin. Admit that you are powerless to save yourself. Embrace the gift of God's grace that Jesus would die for you and that he rose victoriously from the grave and has the power to save you. Call out to Jesus today. And reread verse 17 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and embrace your new identity as a new creation. There is so much more to say and so little time to say it. We've answered the question what happened? We've been made new. We've answered the question from the text, how did it happen? By grace, through the great exchange. We've not answered the question why, so let me answer it super fast. Why? Two reasons. And you can check this in the text later, meditate on this the rest of the day, and rejoice as you see these truths come from the text. Over and over, we hear this word reconciliation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. He is reconciling the world to himself. He is not counting our sins against us. He given us the ministry of reconciliation. We hear that word reconciliation. This is a word that's used to describe when two people are estranged from each other, something that takes place to reconcile that relationship and put it right. We mentioned Adam and Eve earlier, right? They lost that intimate fellowship with God when they sinned. And you and I also lost it. But God designed us so that we could experience relationship with him. We are set apart from the rest of what he's created in that way. We are the ones that were created in his image. So that we would have capacity to relate to him like son to father or daughter to father or him father to son, father to daughter. That's how we were designed. And that's what he wants for us. The first reason he made you new is because that's the only way he could bring you into fellowship with him so that you could walk with him daily. He doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to walk in relationship. And that's why he's made you new. There's a second reason 
And you can see it. It's four or five different times it says it in these texts. He, he calls us ambassadors. He says he's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. He says it's like God is pleading with the world through us. It's like we're the, the voice of God pleading with the lost world and our message. God's message through us to them is be reconciled to God. The second reason God has made us new is so that we would not only walk in relationship with him, but so that we would work in partnership with him on this ministry of reconciliation. Pursuing the lost in this community and in this world whose lives are broken beyond repair without the gospel. And that is our stewardship, church. We are ambassadors who have been sent on a mission to implore that people be reconciled to God. As we hold up the mirror of God's word this morning, do you see what the word of God is saying about you? The mirror of God's word is saying to you, child of God, you are a new creation. By the grace of God, through the great exchange, you have been made new. So that you can walk in fellowship with God and work in partnership with God as an ambassador, spreading the knowledge of his glory. Lord, would you help us this morning to embrace what you are saying to us about our identity. Lord, help us surrender our will to yours. Help us submit to the power of the Spirit as you grow us in maturity and as you use us in this ministry of reconciliation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.